0: AVXL episode 178 was recorded on April 21st, 2022. Netflix meets exploding kittens at 100 million unpaid-for accounts. An update on bargain OLEDs, the basics on positioning speakers, and quite a bit more. Don't forget, email ask at AVXL.com if you got a question for us. And thank you. Really, thank you. Thank you. To everyone that supports us at Patreon.com slash AVXL. Without you... We ain't going to be able to do this show. So thank you to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash AVXL. And it's either just happened or about to happen. Our next hangout for our patrons is April 22nd. That is a Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Come join us, patreon.com slash AVXL.
1: Testing, one, two, three. All right, I'm not blowing anything out.
0: Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels speed? Yeah. Welcome to Excel, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. Oh, my goodness. I was joking about us being Shakespearean because of our use of the phrase bated breath. And, you know, we nearly didn't get recording today because of me howling myself nearly to the hospital. And Robert's uh, plumbers nearly destroyed his house, or at least the bathroom. I use that term
1: loosely, plumbers. Uh, I'm not sure if they were... <laughs> licensed in any way shape or form but yeah uh, or experienced (laughs) if I have a suggestion for anyone in a home with bathrooms (laughs) it would be to close the lid on that toilet on the seat if perchance they're ever going to put a power washer in your clean out for your said sewer system Uh, I
0: gotta be honest with you you scared the hell out of me you said quote the plumbers are coming back with a power washer I was just like what? (laughs)
1: Yeah, let me just say, the uh, all expense was not spared in this endeavor, I could tell, just per the uh, owner of the home.
0: You know, the <laughs> nice thing about was home incredible. theater and
1: audio... I had never witnessed anything quite like that, save from uh, somebody sent me a clip <laughs> from The Simpsons where Bart throws a firecracker down the, the school bathroom and all the toilets explode. Don't do that. That's effectively what happened. Don't do that. It was uh, It oh, was my awesome. Goodness.
0: My own little private geyser. Oh. Assuming anyway, you're not setting up your home theater or audio system in your bathroom, you should probably never have to mix home theater, audio, and what we were just talking about. Indeed. Um, okay, so there's this note on our rundown that starts out every show, and uh, we're, it, what we're excited about. That's what we always try to start the show out with. And I got to say, I, I subscribe to emails from the Oatmeal If you've never been to The Oatmeal, it's either because you don't know about it uh, or you're horrified by it. But the man is ostensibly a cartoonist. Uh, There is much humor and pathos and joy and uh, uh, also some very serious emotional things he writes about once in a while. But 90% of what he does is to make you laugh your posterior off. And so uh, The Oatmeal, Exploding Kittens or the maker of Exploding Kittens, is making a TV series in Netflix. And what's kind of crazy is Mike Judge and Greg Daniels are producing. If those names are familiar, you might have watched in the recent or dark past, Beavis and Butthead, Office Space, King of the Hill, Silicon Valley, The Office, Parks and Rec, or Space Force, which is to say uh, these individuals uh, know what they're doing in the humor department. And it's going to be a series and a game. Uh, A game's going to come out next month when Netflix does its uh, gaming thing. The series is supposed to launch next year. And the premise... The premise... (laughs) It's about the eternal conflict between heaven and hell. And uh, essentially, in this show, God and the devil are sent to Earth, but in the bodies of cats. And if you find that statement blasphemous by all means, email ask Oh, please, uh, but please uh... do email us <laughs> <laughs> all of your questions, just...
1: concerns. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, uh, this yeah. should be a fun ride. I can't wait to see it. And yeah, I have no idea t- what Netflix is even doing game related. And I am as curious as to see how they launch this
0: Implement product that? as anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I got to be honest with you, if, if uh, this new series is half as good as Good Omens, the uh, ever so brilliant novel by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, um, it will be worth the time. And to get Shakespearean, we wait with bated breath. Uh, not waiting with bated breath. If you watch financial news, you probably heard that Netflix had a meltdown this week. They released their uh, basically their email, their, their first quarter 2022 financial results, and so when we talked about Netflix and password sharing and their experiments in charging for shared passwords uh, in different households down in Chile and Costa Rica and Peru. So the announcement was that uh, Netflix lost 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter of 2022. Two things are going on here. One, this is the first time Netflix has ever lost subscribers in the last decade. It's been more than a decade since Netflix's is subscription numbers went down. True. They were projected to gain two and a half million subscribers, negative 200,000. Even if you take a look at the fact that Netflix dropping business in Russia, I think cost them like 700,000 subscribers, but they were projected to gain two and a half million. They lost 200,000. This all came out in a quarterly shareholder letter. And, uh, Shareholders went nuts, right? Uh, in part because Netflix estimates, um, and we talked about this, right? The, the easy time of acquiring subscribers is over. Netflix has huge amounts of competition. They are still by far the largest streaming service uh, that I know of in the world. Um, they have 220 million subscribers worldwide, 75 million in the U.S. and Canada, um, now, to put that into perspective, like when you're talking about marketing, they say there's 142 million households total in the U.S. and Canada. It's 75 million of them. More than one in every two households in North America has a Netflix account. That said, right, 220 million plus subscribers worldwide. Netflix estimates, they dropped this in their quarterly shareholder letter, Netflix estimates 100 million households use a shared password around the world. Without paying, right? And more than thirty million of those households were in the U.S. and Canada alone. <laughs> wow! So, Wall Street whacked their share. Their their share price dropped thirty five percent. So, a couple of things came out of this. One is that Netflix kind of said, "Yeah, you know, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna figure out a way to get." households that are sharing passwords to start paying us money, which brings us back to our discussion a few weeks ago about the South American experiment at Netflix. And, and it's true. This, Netflix has ignored password sharing because they were growing and now it's stopped and they got punished by Wall Street. And that, of course, makes uh, companies change their behavior. I also got to say props to CNBC for the humor. Like, one of their taglines was today could be a dark day for your ex-boyfriend's brother, <laughs> which is a way of saying a lot of <laughs> these shared Jesus. passwords just got shared all over the place. right? Cause you never really know where the passwords ended up, especially if maybe one of your children took the password to college or their frat house or their sorority house or, you know, you gave it to your cousin who gave it to their friend. Rampant. Yeah, there was like a great, you know, I'm talking to finance people kind of couched language thing. Actually, not very couched at all. Quote, sharing likely helped fuel our growth by getting more people using and enjoying Netflix. We've always tried to make sharing within a member's household easy with features like profiles and multiple streams. And now I think it's all gone. Netflix suggested global change could be hitting next year. They're talking about starting an ad-supported entry-level tier to reduce, you know, the cost. Um, hey, and the discs based services, if you wish to have that DVD
1: or ultra high def Blu-ray mailed to you, is still available <laughs> at a good price. <laughs> uh, a couple of things that jumped out to me about this. One is that Netflix knew what numbers they were about to post. And yeah. starting a few weeks ago, they began this crackdown clearly that's just to help support their bottom line. And when people talk about Netflix's price dropping by 35% over the last couple of days, sure keep that in mind, but also realize that stock is split by 7 at least since its initial inception. So, it's not really 35% in the grand scheme of things. In the short term, well, sure, if you just got
0: in. Well, yeah. There was there was somebody who had bit. a there was some wall street guy that had like a billion dollars dropped a billion dollars on netflix shares two three months ago so (laughs) get better intel well yeah no comments there's a reason i don't work on wall street well i mean something to think about with this and, and and we joke right but when companies start losing money uh service tends to get cut There's a really good article. On one hand, this is like, okay, Netflix got hammered. You know, they've already increased pricing. They didn't think pricing was an issue. They were pretty happy. Like they didn't, they weren't losing people because of their price increases, they felt. But there's a really good article. Uh, Alex Weprin uh, writes for The Hollywood Reporter was quoting uh, Jenna Orbanis. Now she's the vice chair of Deloitte LLP. Um, Basically, she covers uh, telecom media entertainment. All that stuff and her line was basically that churn is here to stay and that's one of the big challenges for a lot of these companies right is that it's really hard to quit cable right cable companies always made that a nightmare it's really easy for somebody to to you know to get rid of netflix or paramount plus or whatever service right true you know and people will watch a new series the series the series will drop they'll watch it they'll drop their subscription again they did a big service or a big survey right and half of millennials and gen z's were like yeah they add cancel or added and canceled a streaming service in the past six months and so they're very active about it. They do it constantly. And young people are the future. So, you know, that's one reason why some services release a single episode a week. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that was something several writers talked about. It's like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix starts doing an episode a week instead of dropping the entire season in one night. Retention <laughs> of yeah
1: <laughs> of the people in who have actual subscriptions. That yeah. is uh, I mean, something they want to maintain. And I think this is all going to mellow out in the end. And I truly want Netflix to be profitable so they can continue to explore and produce brand new content that you haven't yeah. seen anywhere else And before. some extraordinary content. And I would say uh. that about any streaming service, really. And it's the ones who are simply repackaging and redistributing other people's mm-hmm. content. That's where I think folks are going to start to take a look at what these various services cost and maybe reassess yeah. what they are actually spending and what is actually worth it in terms of how you view and what you view and how much you're spending on that per month. As someone who has dumped cable a long time ago, probably 10 years ago, I I would never go back to just having uh, you a hundred channels of nonsense when I watched next to none of it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny. Like CNN's plus, I think got dropped. I think that was alive for, I don't know, weeks. Um, you know it's it's interesting. it will be interesting to watch how this stuff works itself out over time um, and it's
1: kind of a bad time to be trying to launch anything right now with more folks getting out of the house yeah the summer is arriving sooner than later and <laughs> i can picture in a couple months when the kids are out on summer vacation uh, it,
0: uh, we've been cooped up for too long <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you mean. Oh goodness! Oh, so okay. Shifting gears, looking at hardware, looking at screens, talking about screens and hardware. I feel like Foamy the Squirrel right now <laughs> with the crazy. Uh, if you haven't seen Foamy the Squirrel, don't watch it for the first time with your children. Um, what's the word on those? You talked last week about the 2021 LG C1 OLEDs that were on sale. Are those still out? Are they on sale? Is it still a smoking good deal? Oh yeah. Best price ever for the 2021 LG
1: C1 OLED technology. If you are in need of a value-priced, high-performance OLED television, my local Costco has a similar deal going on right now with this low pricing, and they also tag the individual TVs to say that this sale will continue until at least May 1st. And that gives you at least another 10 or so days to take advantage of this pricing. At that point, uh, all bets are off. Chances are the C1s will become far and few between and whatever stock is left available will elevate to uh, more premium pricing, so to speak, and make the C2, the 2022 C2 television, even more uh, desirable at that point. And speaking of the 2022 LG C2 OLED in particular, I saw a few reviews start to trickle out. Everyone seems to be holding back on awarding any kind of best of, though, until Sony releases their A80K. We've talked about Sony's A95K previously, that is using the new Samsung display technology for the quantum dot enhanced OLED television. That's gonna be the premium model. The A80K is likely using not that technology, but LG's panel technology, and that will be more of a direct price and performance comparison to the 2022 LG C2 panels. However, I am truly looking forward to see more reviews that will pit LG's premium OLED for this year, which will be the G2, the Gallery Edition, versus that Samsung S95. Both of those TVs are currently available in stores, as well as the soon-to-be-released Sony A95K, which should be their flagship 4K OLED screen for the year. Anyway, just a quick update. If you are itching for a good deal, the 2021 LG C1s are still available at terrific prices. And if you really have to have the latest and the greatest, the 2022 models are out there, as well as that Samsung S95B. I am I'm awaiting more thorough reviews on that, though, before I would think of pulling the trigger as far as picking up one of those 55 or 65 inch S95B screens (laughs) as pretty as they
0: appear without a doubt. Uh, Shifting gears a little bit, um, I guess Linus of Linus Tech Tips is building his ultimate dream house and was building a home theater and was going to spend like six figures on a super fancy LED panel wall covering monstrosity, which apparently was going to require some significant uh, thermal management and electrical wiring and... I feel that Linus has, is now part of the projector tribe because there's a, a video titled, and you sent this to me, I hate it when he's right, and somebody in Linus's crew uh, brought in a Epson's LS-12000 and just projected it up on drywall, not even a proper screen. And apparently uh, spending 5000 on a projector and maybe a couple thousand more on a screen sounds a lot better than <laughs> the other
1: idea that was going on. Uh, yes, as much as people may want a true LED display like video or outdoor signage is based right. upon where you have physical red, blue and green LEDs creating the individual mm-hmm. subpixels, like we see with Samsung's The Wall or Sony's technology that is similar. Usually you're talking serious six figures and with significant cooling and power requirements to keep that even functioning within a, a home environment, so to speak. It was a—I have to say—an impressive first look. And if you want to see one of the most cringy unboxings ever, watch that video because I think he literally drops the damn projector within seconds of taking it out of the box, and it gives you Ouch. a moment of like, "Oh, what are you doing? What are you? Are you insane?" <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, for the room they're putting that put in. I safety
0: chain on my. It just reminded me to put safety chain on my projector because at one point the cat managed to wedge itself between the ceiling and the projector, which did terrible things to my projector mount. But the projector did stay uh, on the ceiling and not on the floor. <laughs> that Indeed. would have been a spendy crunch. But even in that oh, basic setup goodness. he did, shooting
1: it onto drywall in a right. light-controlled environment, that thing was brilliant, bright. Uh It has everything you expect from a front projector and including a uh, motorized focus and zoom as well as the automated or automated, I should say uh, <laughs> the lens cover that closes and opens mechanically. Right. And it, it just looks solid. And I can't wait to actually see that get put into some more spaces where I can get a get an eyeball or two on that. And it's good to see JVC stepping up with the NP-5. Yes.
0: The DLA-NP5. So this is... Uh... This is their first sub $10,000 projector in quite some time. They announced several other projectors earlier this year, but they're all pretty spendy. It's seven grand, right? That's $2,000 more than Epson's LS12000. But if you are dying for 1080p 3D compatibility, this is uh, <laughs> this is an option for you. It's also got some really nice dynamic, automated dynamic tone mapping. Excellent. 1900 ANSI lumens, uses uh, a 265-watt lamps. This is not laser-based. And there's a great article, a review, actually, a pretty detailed review on Projector Central. And one of the things they get into is JVC's Frame Adapt HDR, which is really interesting. So it adjusts the picture scene by scene, frame by frame, uh, the MP5 can also do basic HDR10, and it can do what they call uh, Pana-PQ, and that uses the tone mapping that comes out of Panasonic's DP-UB9000 UHD Blu-ray player, which is spendy, but awesome uh, if you can get your paws on it. So anyhow, getting into Higgins' review on Project John Higgins' review on Projector Central, the frame-adapt HDR sounds really amazing. In part, one of the things he gets into is like a lot of Amazon's HDR library includes HDR10 plus versions, and... What the frame adapt does is essentially uh, automates HDR tweaks in its firmware. So, on the LS twelve thousand, it's got a manual sixteen point HDR dynamic range slider, and instead of having to sort of set that before you watch a movie, you can just let the JBC do its thing uh, with its built-in frame adapt HDR. It's two thousand dollars more. It's a seven thousand dollar projector, um, but there's some interesting stuff going on performance-wise there. True that. Having
1: frame-adaptive tone mapping (laughs) is an awesome feature on any projector, and that's fairly new. There are a few HDR projectors out there that do actually feature that. And that saves you from having to manually configure anything within the menus on a per-movie basis to make it look as good as possible. This will hopefully do a good enough job to where, hey, you can just feed it any HDR blu-ray player and get superb picture quality or any source really that is hdr in addition they also have that support for panasonic's 9000 and i wonder if maybe their 800 player would also support that as well where it can basically read what the light information is in the metadata on the disc and then supply that directly to the projector for it to map in a more efficient way Either way, you're going to end up with something that looks, I think, even closer to what either HDR10+, or in particular Dolby Vision would look like on, say, an OLED that supports it. It is, I think, just easier for the consumer. Less messing around in terms of getting a good picture quality with a variety of different content types, be it SDR or HDR, or HDR10+,
0: for that matter. Man, that uh, UB9000 is currently... Well, the cheapest place I can find it is (laughs) $1,000.
1: And I want to say you don't need that top-of-the-line one unless you need the analog outputs it offers. And then you can go one step back either way. It's like a decision. It's like, would you rather have the Panasonic just feed the raw data to the projector or have the projector do it on a frame-by-frame basis directly? I think it would be cool to see actually comparisons of both methods to see if there is any kind of distinguishable difference in terms of the actual viewing experience. But either way, that's just a nice feature to see on
0: increasingly more projectors nowadays. Hey, quick heads up. uh, If you've wanted uh, one of RSL Roger Sound Lab's speed woofers, and you missed them before they sold out, or you missed some of the pre-orders, they have a new pre-order starting, uh, I want to say, Friday, Friday april 22nd starting at noon 3 p.m noon pacific 3 p.m eastern and uh basically go to rslspeakers.com and it looks like they have stock and they're going to start shipping on may 11th or they're going to start shipping you know as soon as they become available on may 11th so uh it is a very popular subwoofer it has been in and out and it is in and uh just quick heads up to anybody out there who might have been looking for one of those Mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Uh, There's a good chance you've already been a part of it or missed it. Our next patron hangout is Friday, April 22nd at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Do us a favor, message us on Patreon or email ask at avxl.com if you're not, if you're a patron and you're not seeing the invites that get sent out. I also want to give a minute to, uh, to thank some more of our longest and strongest contributors. The people have been around with us the longest time, and uh, we appreciate you, uh, Michael, Thomas, Mark, Oren, Arato nine four nine, and Reuben, and uh, which hopefully sounds like Reuben. I don't know if I said Reuben or Ruben, uh, but uh, a big thanks to all of those folks for being a part of patreon.com slash avxl being our patrons and making this podcast possible if you want to join them go to patreon.com slash and we look forward to seeing you there is it hot there yet Robert? no
1: it started raining again and moisture in california unreal this dude this is just priming the fire season for us <laughs> get everything just uh, green enough so that when the sun does come out in a
0: week or two boom
1: <laughs> <laughs> everything's gonna turn brown and burn
0: <laughs> i like it when People think I'm all, you know, negative. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, I've gotten used to the uh, raining ash once or twice a year.
0: Yeah, I never got used to that. I will never get used to that. No. I hope to get used to it. No, actually, I hope not to get used to that. Um, Well... For those of you who are not dealing with the possibility of of giant torrential hellfires burning down upon your community, uh, there is still summer, which is coming. And uh, I caught a—we've talked about this in the um, past—cabinet cooling. If your home theater gear is stuffed into a closet, if you have a big, powerful stereo amplifier stuffed inside of a cabinet, uh, they all generate heat. And I caught this up on— on Amazon.com, the AC Infinity Airplate S2, and it's essentially like a six-inch. Well, it looks like a vent, like it would be in the wall of your house. It's got a fan built inside of it. It's thirty bucks. It's got four point seven out of five on three hundred eighty-five ratings, which is fairly positive, and that's a fairly large number of ratings. Remember, if you put something like this to pull hot air out of your uh, home theater cabinet, remember you want an into, and put something on that in to catch the dust before, or the cat hair before it gets inside of your cabinet, which reminds me, this is a good time of year to check the filters and vacuum vents, Uh, basically vacuum out the vents on your your home theater and audio gear. Check the filters if you have a filter in your device. For example, my projector has a filter, especially if the cat's been sitting on your toasty warm AVR all winter. Uh, Get the hair out, get the fur out, get the dirt out, get the dust out before it gets hot because there's nothing worse than, you know, spendy home theater equipment dying uh because of dirt or uh or fur it's not that common but once in a while it happens
1: those fans have some nice prices i mean for what you get six and eight inch fan designs single or dual fan setups as well as ones with built-in thermostat controls the price is right they're not as expensive as some units i've seen
0: out there that do similar things We've seen some and, you know, if I'd say, you know, I mean, sometimes you look at the product and you're like, okay, I understand why this is $300. And sometimes, sometimes you look at a product and all you can say is like, wow, there's a lot of markup in this. The AC Infinity, like, they've, they've got some interesting fan kits. They, they have something called the Multifan S7. They're USB-powered. They're basically 120-millimeter computer fans with rubber feet on them, so you can flip them up and down to have them blow or suck through your equipment. It's 20 bucks for two, 14 bucks for one. Um, they're talking about 104 cubic feet per minute, 19 uh, decibels, which means they're essentially not going, you're not going to hear them unless you have insane hearing. Uh, you know, those are designed to sit on top of your console game or AVR and... And, and pull or push air through. We were at CEDIA once, and I asked somebody about the price of they had a they had a you know a, something similar to this. And I want to say they wanted like six hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, six hundred bucks. Um, I don't remember it being of any particular spectacular quality. I just remember it being like, oh yeah, this is going through installers. You have all the markup on this. Uh-huh. True that. These so, products
1: though do require some. Fabrication, so to speak, in terms of it's expecting you are going to cut a hole out of your cabinet and install this within. And I do appreciate having both AC versus uh, USB power for these as well. So if you just want to plug it into a device that happens to have an available USB port, you can do it that way. Right. Or hardwire it or... Do what you like just use but, a usb charger <laughs> but this would be a great setup too for just getting a a box or a space that needs additional cooling cooled off mm-hmm. they even have a cool looking no pun intended control panel as well that provides you know How if you funny. need if you need the digital readout to tell you is the fan running and what temperature is it inside quote unquote uh, they have all of that we've talked about the price seems right They have a variety of different sizes and functions regarding how much fan you really need and how big of a hole you're willing to cut in your cabinetry. They also focus strictly, too, on (laughs) low noise for these products. Apparently, well-done fan systems in general. That'll move the air without creating a ton of noise. Or even if these numbers are accurate, you should not notice these
0: things running in the background in a normal room. Just fantastic. The DBA is awfully quiet. Hey, if you've got a question, if you got a question about video or audio or headphones or cooling your home theater kit or setting it up or controlling it or any of this stuff, do us a favor, email us, ask at avxl.com, or you can tweet at Robert Heron or at Patrick Norton. Do we have time to talk about some basic speaker placement thoughts? Oh, you know it. Where else are we going to okay. do it? Might as well do it here. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> well, I got to a conversation. Somebody asked me about uh, where they should put their speakers and they had been on the internet researching and they had found some fascinating stuff on the internet. I said, look, you can try all of these things. There are some fascinating theories around stuff that's associated with Grecian art and mayhem and, and all sorts of other mathematical formulas. I don't know. Uh, Illuminati. You know, there's there's all sorts of weirdness associated with speaker placement. But let me give you some basic thoughts on speaker placement. A good place to start. Let me just put it out that way. If you're doing surround sound, Google Dolby surround sound speaker setup guides or Dolby Atmos speaker setup guides, and then do your best to balance their examples with your living space. Because surround sound is all about math, and especially with Atmos, it's all about fancy math and very precisely controlling when sound comes out of which speaker to position a sound in space, right? You may not be able to do it exactly like they want it, but generally speaking, start with what they're suggesting. Two, if you're doing stereo, an equilateral triangle with your head at one point and the speakers at the other two points uh, is a really good place to start. Some, you know, speaker designers or or engineers uh, or manufacturers, they will have very specific recommendations based on the output characteristics of the tweeter and stuff. But generally speaking, for almost all speakers, an equilateral triangle, you know, with the left speaker here, the right speaker there, and your head here, all eight feet apart or all 10 feet apart or whatever your room permits is a really good place to start. Surround sound or stereo. Unless the speaker designer manufacturer says something different, try to have the tweeters at ear level or at least angled towards ear level. You know, I have some speakers, I think actually all my speakers now are pretty much at ear level. Depending on how the tweeter radiates sound, they will be more or less friendly to being higher or lower than your ear. Rob and I demoed a couple uh, some speakers a while back where the sweet spot on the speaker was about six inches. Right. So, If you stood up, you know, it was like somebody had dropped a pillow over the tweeters. If you sat down too much, it was like somebody dropped a pillow over the tweeters. If you were in, if your head didn't move too far, boy, they were fantastic. That narrowest sweet spot is a pain. But generally speaking, you want the tweeters at your ear level. That's the general rule of thumb. If there's a manual in there and they say, hey, we suggest these be here, then, hey, try what the speaker designer told you because they put the speakers together. Again, surround sound or stereo, the toe-in of the speaker or the angle the speaker faces, you know, when we say toe-in, if you start with the speakers so their backs are parallel, the backs of the cabinets are parallel to your wall, as you turn them, towards the center of your skull or towards your ears, we call that towing them in. And when you tow them away from your ears or away from the center of your skull, we call that towing out. Towing can have a modest or a dramatic impact on treble. Generally, when the speaker's pointed at your ears, you get the most treble or the hottest treble. And as you tow it out or away from your ears, you get less treble. Towing can also tweak the sound stage on a stereo system. Sometimes tweaking the speakers in a little bit or out a little bit can really, uh, Siegfried Linkwitz, who's a, 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 you know, he, well, he is passed, but he was a magnificent speaker designer, an HP engineer, a contributor to the audio engineering society. But when he talked about stereo at one point, he talked about the magic in two-channel sound reproduction, which is when you have this mystical experience. It's not mystical, it's it's actually stereo reproduction, where the two speakers generate this full wide sound stage in front of you where there's, you know, the singer or whatever is at the center of the recording is kind of, you know, the voices at the center and the bass is over there and the guitar is over there and the drums and, and but generally speaking, uh, it's amazing what, you know, a, if the speaker sound a little too hot, tone them out a little bit, or if the image isn't quite what you were expecting, if you don't have the voice, you know, floating in space in front of you, try tweaking uh, the in of the speakers.
1: That's one of the things I really love about some of the latest in-ceiling speakers I've messed with of late. They all feature tweeters that are adjustable to some degree, so you can point them right at the listening spot. So you're directing that Mm -hmm. energy properly. Yeah. Those higher frequencies are very directional, and it's nice to have them pointed right at the sweet spot in the listening environment. It's just a a good thing to check if you are going to take that route and put ceiling speakers in. It is something I would almost always want because sometimes you won't be able to put the speaker in the best location. And it's right. then nice to be able to, yeah, like you said, for a floor standing, tow it in, tow it out. <laughs> or for the ceiling mounted, have some adjustability, at least in the treble side or in the high frequency side in terms of getting that sound right where it needs to be. And you mentioned, too, just about equal spacing and things like that. That will make it so that if you run through either a manual calibration where you're measuring distances and right. levels or you're doing it through an automated function built into the AVR, there should be less tweaking involved. And right. it's sometimes interesting to see how those pan out. Uh, you may be surprised because of the, the location of a particular speaker. It may require significantly more or less level or timing, depending mm-hmm. on its location compared to the other speakers in the room, even though they look about the yeah. same distance away. So <laughs> rooms can do funny things to audio, and it's nice to have options to let your tweaks uh, come through and produce the best possible imaging and
0: just quality overall seriously speaking of the interactions between your room and a speaker and this applies both for surround sound and stereo as a speaker gets closer to the wall behind it the bass gets louder period right you know basically the the perimeter of the room or the boundary of the room reinforces bass um you know so as you shove a speaker closer to a wall you get more boom at the low end. Sometimes it's quality bass, sometimes it's a boomy mess, Um, but if you have too much bass, or the bass sounds boomy or sloppy, try moving the speaker out away farther from the wall. And especially if you have smaller speakers and they don't have as much bass as you want or expected, you can try moving them back towards the wall to see whether or not it is a pleasing effect, or you can add a subwoofer. Nice. Yeah, that's the basics. You know, we can get more into the room itself and the positioning and how that impacts things, but I, I think that's something to talk about in the future. Indeed. Um.
1: <laughs> I'm sitting here realizing that this emergency I had that I talked about at the beginning of the show. I think uh, I think I need to basically either wash or burn everything I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there. I'm just saying I've detected certain smells on me that I'm I'm really glad I had my old uh, work clothes on at first. But now I, uh, yeah. Homeboy needs to clean up. <laughs> on that bright and cheerful <laughs> oh, note. Man. Oh, man. It could have been so much worse. That's all I kept thinking. It, it, it was bad, but I. I <laughs>
0: it, uh, uh, laughter. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm, in, I'm sympathetic. Uh, are you heading over to Nanosys HQ? What's going on there? Yeah. Our good
1: friend Jeff Yurick over at Nanosys emailed me mentioning how he is a regular listener of the show. And he's like, hey. Hi. Uh, I hear you keep mentioning you want to get some eyeball time on the new QD OLED from Samsung. They happen to have one of those sitting in their lab alongside an LG G2. And nice. that is the kind of comparison I actually want to see. Granted, these probably are hand-selected units from the manufacturers. Either way, it's going to give me at least an initial impression to get those side-by-side. They also have some micro-LED technology in-house, as well Mm. as one of those fancy 2022 U9 TVs from Hisense. So uh, they are a rather short trip away, like about 15, 20 minutes tops, even in traffic. And I should be able to get over there, hopefully Hopefully next week, although I'll be getting out of town to do a job next week on a quote unquote 16K system that I'm looking forward to actually seeing in person. And uh, anyway, sounds awesome and slightly terrifying. (laughs) I will make my way over to the good folks at Nanosys, though. I do want to check out what they have going on and actually see those already set up for me in a side by side configuration where I can do a little uh, A-B testing. Nice and easy i do appreciate this that. sounds like a good day yeah
0: oh my goodness well with that ladies and gentlemen let's get uh we're gonna wrap this up so rob can go uh wash or burn his clothing oh. <laughs> tweets at robert heron at patrick norton or at av excel with your comments your questions your thoughts things you want to see us share with the audience uh you Need know, a hashtag, hashtag AskAVExcel works just fine. If you got an email question or if you want to email us uh, or if you have something more detailed to discuss, as always, ask at avxl.com is the email address. Thanks again to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash avexcel. You make this show possible. Thank you for being there. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVExcel.